Hey, this is Of Earth, a culinary plant medicine podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Sage from The Herbal Chef. Typically, I'll be sort of thinking, meditating, kind of looking at news, educating myself of what's going on. Maybe spend an hour doing that, and I come out on my deck, and I have a, I have a great view, and I sort of sit there, you know, early in the morning, and, you know, I'll smoke maybe half a joint, um, and I'll, I'll drink a cup of coffee. By, by that time, I'm already knocking out, like, emails and, and making phone calls to, like, my immediate people that were close to me and, you know, checking in on what's going on around the farms. But, um, you know, that, I think with a little cannabis in the morning, it, it really kind of wakes my creativity up, sets my mood for the day. It's not a lot. It's literally like sometimes four or five puffs on a joint, but yep. it, it really does not pop for me. So we got Mario Sherbinsky joining us today, and he is what I'd consider a cannabis mogul. He's created such an incredible brand. He's been at the very start of it all. Uh, and I'm really excited to get his perspective on what's happening with the cannabis industry and where people are moving with this whole entire industry. Every time I text you or I talk to you off of Instagram, I'm like, I really don't know if he knows it's me or if he's confusing me with somebody else. Who's this guy, Chris? What? I got it now. I'm wow. locked in. Wow. Locked in. in. Sage. Stage. Yeah, like the prophet, oh, that's like the fucking herb. Very cool, um, dude. I'm so excited that you have made time. I appreciate it, man. Of course, for you, anything, man. I You're appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, um, look, we started this podcast called Of Earth, and we discuss a lot of things in the culinary plant medicine realm. But we talk about a lot of things, you know, that of are of Earth. Man, I really enjoyed seeing your trip. To the uh, not as much as you enjoyed it, but uh, <laughs> um, seeing your trip to the farm, you know, you know, yeah. the that was something else. Oh yeah, the Culinary Vegetable Institute. Yeah, dude. Oh that my looked, god! You were literally. I, I don't think I've ever seen you happy. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I was just beaming. It's like everything that I could want. In one place. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is yeah. so cool, dude. And honestly. It's like every machine that no one ever has, like, it's there, right? Exactly. You're like, oh, I could do this. Like, who's <laughs> going to spend 80 grand on a machine like that unless they're fucking, you know, the CVI? Um, but you, you know what's funny is I think you would get a kick out of talking to their breeders and their uh, their farmers, like what they're doing there, what they're breeding for, they're basically taking vegetables and breeding them, genetically breeding them for uh, not with GMOs, but just by breeding and uh, picking, you know, the cream of the crop and what they desire out of it and then replicating it. Um, but they're breeding for nutrients and they're breeding for flavor. So, which most people don't ever do. In farms right now, they're talking about, you know, breeding for quantity, and these guys are over there breeding for incredible flavor and nutrient density, like 300 times the amount of nutrients in a carrot versus, uh, you know, any other carrot on the market. That's amazing. Selective breeding, you know? Yeah. It's been a long part, not just in cannabis, but with everything, pets. Exactly. Food, yeah. You know? And I mean, um, that's... It's, it's just fascinating. Like I really respect what they're doing over there. You would get a kick out of it. You would love it. Well, plants in general, I gravitate towards like trees, plants, cannabis. Cannabis is obviously one of my favorite plants, but just plants in general, you know, when I do mushrooms or I do any type of plant medicine, um, citrus trees, I always gravitate towards, or I always seem to see it's, it's a very strange thing, but you know, when you look, if you're looking out in a field and you just see like a citrus tree or like an orange tree, lemon tree, it really pops out. Absolutely. You know, kind of like why people gravitate towards my brand and the color. Absolutely. Um, I always like, I'm pretty, you know, when I, when I get really high on mushrooms, I, I sense like, like, I don't know, for lack of better words, I guess the soul of a plant, you know, Absolutely. tree, plant. I look at plants and I kind of see them as, as beings, you know, I feel them as beings. Um, you know, I know that they are, but then I feel it in a different way, like a presence. Like if, like if you had like a, 
a basketball player standing next to you. You know, you feel this like this this presence. Um, I, I feel that when I'm around a big tree, yeah. you know, and I, I I like to touch the skin, whether it's bark or like a, a, a you know, like a, a smaller, like thinner um, bark skin. Right, right. And just sort of, you know, just interact that we're, we're two living beings on this planet. And, you know, like, what's up? You know, and <laughs> how you living? Yeah. If you sit yeah. back and if you just you don't think, but you actually think about you, I mean, you actually don't think, but you you feel um, trees actually are like give a lot of good energy. And if you, if you're open to it and you kind of get it, like, I think, um, you know, you, it's, they're really there to give, um, to us in a lot of ways, not just, you know, food and, um, in, in those ways, but, uh, you know, it's in our, the air, the, the you know, the air that they give us to breathe, Absolutely. but also their energy. Um, Energetically as well. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I want to share with you a story because um, every time that I have an experience on mushrooms, I always, like, same as you, I always gravitate towards trees. And I just have this emphatic connection with these trees. And I sit there and I, like, stand in front of them and I touch them and I hug them. And um, it's, you know, it's a very, like, intimate moment you're when you're in those. Dude, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking am. I know. Um, we like our age we're in our 40s or whatever like yeah we finally it is to be a tree hugger dude and i'm okay with that i'm so okay who made that a bad thing i know um I know. but i literally one time i remember i was in yosemite national park and there was this fallen tree and i was like peak peak mushroom and i went over to it and i put my hands on it and all of a sudden I was, com I closed my eyes and I was completely transported to the birth of this tree. And it was literally like from growing from a seed out into then like the sapling and then growing and growing. And then I saw the fire that had happened in Yosemite. Like I saw it in like pain and then eventually like die and fall over. Like I saw the entire tree's life within a few seconds of putting my hands on it and it like literally brought me to tears because it was so intense and so visceral. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And it was just a real eye opener, you know, that if you ever forget that all of these things around us, all the plants, all the, like from the soil to the insects, to the plants, to the air, to every human around us, everything is alive and having its yeah. own living experience. It's uh, it's wild once you once you realize that. I saw that in your in your stories. You had a recent experience, huh? Um, which one? Uh, I saw it like a week ago that you opened a big ass bag of of uh, psilocybin. Oh yeah, yeah. Just you know, being around you know the Bay Area a little more again. Um, just just you know, especially Oakland, <clears throat> everybody's got mushrooms because it's legal. Yeah, you know, and they all these different strains and all these different, you know, names and, and people are mixing things and, you know, making um, blends and whatnot. So it's, it's pretty interesting. But for me, I mean, this last year, um, you know, I'm going through, uh, recently going through a divorce, as you know, yeah. but like um, plant medicine, just especially the mushrooms, I really gravitated towards it. And it was before I always, um, you know, enjoyed mushrooms to go out, you know, I'm not a big drinker, you know, I'll do a couple caps, smoke some weed and I, and I have like a really fun night, like if I'm in Vegas or something. Right. But this is the first time that I, I, you know, I really tapped into the mushrooms more, you know, for just, you know, medicinal reasons, like spiritual really, healing, like, the healing of it. Yeah. And, and, and I just, man, I'll tell you, like, I probably tripped out like six times um, specifically, you know, to deal with like trauma and shit that I was dealing with. And, um, every time it was just like, I would end up in tears and it was like, it was just so uncontrollable and it would just, it would release like something that, you know, I would spend $20,000 on therapy and, and these mushroom trips and these ability to release, um, you know, like through the tears and shit, like, that did more for me than, you know, the therapy helped. I'm not going to say that it's a waste, but I always felt the most um, healing after those kind of sessions. You know, maybe not, you know, right away, but, you know, three, four, five days after I would feel a little less pain, a little less pain, a little less pain, you know, and each time I'm able to release 
Um, and I think it's an ongoing thing. Like, like even right now, right. I hadn't done any mushrooms or used it medicinally for quite a while, you know, in a few months, two, three months. Um, and just recently I've been, and I wanted to share this with you, but I've been pretty strong considering all the shit that I'm going through, you know, that comes with the divorce, but just now that I'm settling and I'm not feeling kind of like the stress of just like the move and things like that, I'm, I'm getting kind of down again because it's, it's almost like I haven't had time to, to really like absorb like the energy of everything that's going on around me because I've been so absorbed in this, in, you know, the, the, this these you know with a marriage and ending that and so it's been like now that i have a chance to sort of go okay i'm sort of stepping out of my own shit let me like take a a look at the world again and then it's it's in worse shape being bombarded yeah absolutely yeah and it's just sort of like you know and i'm i would really like to to think of myself as a, a beat positive person and i still am but you are anybody would anybody would say that about you yeah, and but and the reason why I think even for your listeners, the people that would would hear this is that you know what this is unprecedented times. Like you know, people that are normally really upbeat and and I think part of that energy is the interaction. Someone brought this to my to my attention is that a lot of people that are high energy, it we it's truly it, it really is like where we we feed off each other. We've all heard that, right? Yeah. Well, if you really if you really think about that and internalize that, what that actually means, it's true. Like if we don't have that connection and yeah, we can get on calls, we can do zoom, but you know, it's like, we need to be touched. You know what I mean? Like even your, even my homies, I I need a high five. I need to like, yo, what's up dog? Like, could we slap our hands together and we give each other a hug and like, we don't think about it, but there's an exchange of energy there that we give each other. And on a daily, whether you meet, you know, three, four, five people, you have some meetings, I miss that, you know, it's like, I really, you know, and in a lot of ways I don't miss all the moving around and how busy I was, but I'm busy in a different way now. A lot of it is like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're in, you're in, uh, you're in the ER in a lot of ways, you know, every day it's like, it's like triage, like, okay, what's, what are we doing with this? What are we doing with that? Thankfully the business is going good. But, um, anyways, just wanted to share with everybody, like, you know what, you know, we're all going through our challenges and, you know, kudos to everybody for just like, you know, single moms that got to work and they got to figure out childcare yeah. and, you know, and, and, you know, just people that have lost their jobs and, you know, they don't have much hope and they're still like working hard and figuring out a way to put food on the table for their family. Just shout out to all you guys. That's right, dude. Just fucking shout out to anybody who's giving it their best, like out there doing it whatever they possibly can to just be around. I mean, it's, it's so tough in so many different ways, man. And I feel you on that. That really speaks to my heart on, you know, having your homies around, like being able to, you know, have like the high five, the hug, the, you know, you know, from a lover, your kid, that kiss, the, the things that like are, that make us human are, have a lot to do with connections and the connections around us. And I always say like in one of my, talking points whenever we do a dinner or like an event is I believe that, you know, cooking for somebody is the highest form of energy transfer because you, when you cook for somebody, you're feeding their soul and you're feeding their ability to go out and reach their goals. And when you give, you know, there's always an energy exchange, no matter what, whether it's a, you know, word, hello, how are you? Whether it's a high five, whether it's a hug, whether it's a kiss, like all of it is an energy exchange. And that's what I really love about food and about plant medicine is that, you know, administering that or giving that, creating that is the ability to then have somebody really nourished and then go on to live their full life and their dreams and, and make that into reality. And right now yeah. it's it's tough for people, man. I mean, you know, even the connection that on that note, even like our connection grew you know, through, as I was going through, you know, my separation and I was, had to cook for kids and I had reached out to you. And I remember I was like, um, you know, even before I had left, you know, you had given me that fish uh, recipe and I was able to, (laughs) you know, I I was actually, you know, I made a beautiful meal for, you know, my family. It was like one of the last ones that we had together, but it was beautiful, brother. Um, but so I was able to, 
do that, which, which made me feel really good. But then also now you really inspired me that I've figured out a way, you know, like I have my kids, you know, I pick them up on, they come in Monday morning and I have them all week. And so Sunday night I, I fly in from LA. I'm in LA all week. I go shopping. I have everything ready. And I figured this out the hard way by like <laughs> kids and they're hungry and then we have no food. And so yeah. now I'm prepared. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to make before I bought a week's worth of food? Right. And food would go bad. Produce will go bad. Now I'm on a two, three day little hit with my, my, my uh, proteins and things. I don't have to That's freeze fucking much. Right. And I would do, so I, so now it's like, I made all this stuff. I'm like, well, let me try this sauce. And then I'm figuring out, all right, what's organic? And then you're going deeper into like, all right, what's the ingredients in this sauce if I'm not making it myself? You know, what What do I have? Because obviously I'd love to make everything, but I'm finding a balance. A lot of salads, a lot of vegetables, a lot of mixing up different things like that. Olive oils to give the kids that. But these proteins. And so I've been, I've made probably 20 different meals. And I'd say about 15 of them there, they like really liked. And so... I've, uh, I've got, I'm getting in this groove. It's only been a month and I'm just, I'm enjoying it, man. And when I sit there and I prepare it, they're like, yeah, we didn't know you could cook. And I said, <laughs> you know, I always do that. And, and you know, that was kind of what she did. And they're like, well, we really liked your food. And I was like, I was like, really? They go, yeah, we love mom's food, but it's always the same stuff. I go, I laughed. So I was like, well, you know, maybe pop gets a little, get a little star for getting That's some diversity. That's what's up. But it's amazing, bro. It's love, you know. It's, Dude, it's, I'm so proud of so you. Fun. That's beautiful. That. It's beautiful. And then when you see that they like it, it's like that feeling you get when you know they're enjoying <laughs> the best. That's that's a sign of a giver. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is the best. It like fuels you. You're like, yes, I want I want to do this more. I want you to react <laughs> that way more. Absolutely. A little feather in your cap. So yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. So I, I would love if you just gave like a quick synopsis to our listeners of, you know, really how you started in this business. And like, I would love for people to really know from you who you see yourself as in this, in this industry and, and what you've built. Yeah, man. Um, you know, my name is Mario Guzman. Um, my, I'm the first generation. Uh, my father was a immigrant from Mexico. My mother was, uh, uh, immigrated from Ireland, um, rest in peace, mom. And, uh, you know, grew up in Sacramento, played sports was, you know, we didn't have much, grew up really poor. Um, you know, a little bit more background. My father grew up in El Ganado, Nayarit, Mexico, and he, he grew up with 10 brothers and sisters. Actually, he's, he's one of 27 kids, but he grew Whoa. up with me of 10. Um, my grandpa actually known 27 kids, but you know, they grew up on a, on a 15 by 15 dirt floor with a thatch roof. You know, he had no running water, no plumbing, Damn. no electricity. And, you know, my dad didn't even see a car until he was seven years old. Um, and, you know, grow running around naked with, with waraches on and just that's <laughs> grew up. And so that's sort of where I come from. And so I've, there's a really hard work ethic that's always been ingrained in me through my father. He came here to the United States when he was 17, didn't even own a pair of shoes and taught himself how to, how to, um, taught himself English and to read and write by like watching cartoons with me and talking to my mom. Um, and so, you know, I grew up in Sacramento and, um, you know, I just, when I was 18, 19, it didn't feel like it was just the right place for me. I, I, I had a, a big admiration for the Bay area. I just love the energy here at, at that time. The energy was, was definitely not what it is, um, now. But uh, it, it was just electric, and there's a lot, lot, a lot of with a lot of things like um, tech and and uh, you know music and the scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of innovation in the Bay Area, and so mm-hmm. that energy was really raw there, and it was it was really you know Prop 215 had uh, passed in 1996, um, the Compassionate um, uh, Health Care, yeah, um, and and you know, which, which gave doctors the, the right to prescribe medicine and gave patients the right to safe access. And so I came into uh, San Francisco in 99, 2000, um, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old kid, just young. And, um, I, you know, at that time, uh, you know, and I think in 2004, uh, SB 420 passed and, and that was the framework for people like me to be able to grow legally um, collectively, uh, you know, in, in California. And a lot of that started in the, in the really did start in the Bay area, East Bay, Berkeley, 
Um, and then obviously San Francisco had the first handful of, of dispensaries. And, you know, so I started growing in my garage, you know, I, I, right when I filled, uh, finished my, my build, I found out my next door neighbor was a police officer <laughs> and, uh, it, and I had already finished everything out, just got the plants in. So that was an interesting three or four years there. But, uh, you know, you know, I just started growing. I didn't know shit about growing. I smoked, but, um, I did that for a couple of years. And then, uh, one of my, I, I ended up, I was, uh, I did Muay Thai for many years and then. Uh, a few years later is how I ended up meeting uh, Jager from the Cookie Fam through one of my Muay Thai students. And, uh, you know, he ended up living a few blocks from me, my friend, and he introduced me to, well, you know, Jiga and, you know, Jiga and I became friends and uh, we ended up doing a little breeding. And in that breeding project, we did the pink panties in my garage on Moraga Street. And then we ended up doing, um, I took the mail from uh, those pink panty seeds that we made. It was a Burmese like a dark, dark purple Burmese and he had male pollen and he had put it onto my Larry OG and we made the pink panties. And so that male, I put in a room at my grandma's house. I had a, I had a, a grow in her basement with Jigga and, uh, and that male pollinated on accident, all my cookies. And so the, those seeds um, were the sunset sherbet. And then I ended up popping those seeds. And then I had a hundred seeds of those that were, I found in a garbage bag. And I had, I had probably 20 pounds of seeded out uh, stuff with all the same seeds. I found a hundred seeds in a garbage bag. I put, I pulled those out. They were the first ones I popped and those are the only ones I ever popped. And that's where I found the Bacho Gelato. That's where I found <clears throat> the Mochi Gelato, the full Gelato line, Acai Berry, um, Jello. And so those are the ones I've been rocking with, you know, and that, and you for- know, for those that don't understand what like the gelatos are, the sunset sherbets, the pink panties, all these are strains that have become iconic in the industry, not just in California, but taking them to Spanibus in Spain and taking them all over the world for their genetics because they have such a good profile. It's like, you know, there's like legendary strains. There's Jack Herrera, there's gelato, you know, there's, there's these legendary strains that will forever remain. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so those, that's what he's talking about right now. I just want to give some context. Yeah. And to give a little more context of it, you know, this was all about, um, you know, cannabis and medical marijuana and East San Francisco and dispensaries and what I like to call the beginning of sort of, you know, the urban farmer, you know,'s relationship with uh, these dispensary owners. And it was just these guys that were growing in their garages or their small warehouses or their small farms. And it was really like, you know, small, you know, really, uh, what's the right word for it? Just, just micro grow. Um, yeah. Just bootstrapping. Uh, yeah. Just, it was, it was, I forget the, it was artisan, you know, it was, it was just <laughs> small, a lot of love put in these batches and a lot of it was just super fire. Yeah. And then these, these clubs that were, were first opening, they had like a really nice selection and all these growers that had these really dope strains that you don't see a lot of these strains anymore everything now is so watered down, you know, it's just, if you know, that's a whole nother podcast we could get into. Oh, but, yeah. um, anyways, where it relates to like food and this kind of bring it full circle, you know, gelato, it's namesaked in over 250 rap songs. Now it's known around the world, you know, it's crossed over into fashion. I just recently did the Bacha gelato popsies, uh, with gelato festival there and there in Melrose. And also I, we created the sunset sherbet flavor profile, all based off the cannabis profiles. So, you know, like, like you're talking about, like all these, you know, when we select these flowers, we select them for like their, 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 their flavor profiles. And then also the way they smell, the way they smoke, the way they look. But, um, you're able to, you know, now with the extraction process of, you know, terpenes and, the way that, you know, chefs like yourself are able to integrate these, these nuances of these, of these, uh, these profiles and, and with your expertise knowing, okay, this is going to mix well with this or experimenting. It's really amazing what, um, I, I'm excited about just the medicinal values of it. Um, and I think in your experience, you've probably seen that a lot of people, they might not even get like what the effect of what the tripping is. And there's still a lot of things that aren't understood about it but one thing for sure the shit works yeah. you know and there's definitely something to it um and it just interests me you know in terms of pairing and uh different ways that we can sort of ingest the terpenes as as a inhibitor um and you know to 
uh, and to activate, you know, when we ingest the THC or CBD and different mixtures of that. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then also with drinks, wine and, and so forth. Yep. And I mean, all those terpenes, what the studies are showing is that the terpenes are responsible for like the actual high that you get and, w- and whether or not the other cannabinoids are present in with, along with THC have a well-rounded effect along with the terpenes. So you can get a really, really nice high from a good terpene profile, depending on what you want, whether it's like mercine that you, you know, you're ready for bed or you're trying to do pinene and lemonine. That's going to then also, you know, perk you up and get you ready for a night out. And all these different things have many different medicinal value or many different medicinal purposes for, you know, depending on how the person consumer uses it. But this is, I mean, that's essentially you were instrumental in creating an iconic, uh, you know, flavor, not flavor profile, but iconic, uh, breed of cannabis that has really taken the world by storm. And now, you know, you have Sherbinsky's, which is on, um, sunset or, uh, on what is it? Is it on Melrose? Fairfax. Fairfax. Fairfax that's right. Um, Sherbinsky's, which is on Fairfax and you have this incredible store, but I think the most interesting thing about what you've done is really how you've played the brand, like what you've done with the brand. You've gone into music, you've gone into, uh, art, you've gone into fashion. And I think the fashion play is really smart. And not only is it really smart, but I think just the way that you did it was so well done that nobody thought twice about it. It was like, of course, this was going to be a fashion thing. Of course, this was going to go into fashion because it was so smooth and who you worked with and what you presented to the world was just fire. It was perfect. Like I, I, it's really interesting to see your progression from, you know, just cannabis into genetics and then into really the entire world because, you know, it's applicable to the entire world, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. You know what? I've, 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 you know, I, I'm a visionary. I feel like with what I see, but there, there's been like some really, there's been a lot of people along the way that have, have, have believed in me and believed in my vision and, and helped me and guided me. Um, you know, like Clement Kwan, he's a, he's my friend who, um, started Bebo with, uh, Scott Campbell and, and, you know, he, he, like, this is just one example, you know, he saw something in me and he said, Hey, you need to come speak at at the business of fashion and, and, uh, you know, event in, uh, in London, you know, and I, at the, at the farmhouse. Right. And I thought, okay, no big deal. I've done like some, some, uh, panels and whatnot. Right. I had no idea, (laughs) you know, like the the people and the the level of the, was a Ted talk basically. And, and so opportunities like that where someone like me is able to kind of share my vision in front of people that are actually are the fashion industry. And a lot of them have, you know, after I shared my story and about the passion of why I feel cannabis needs to be in the places it is and how the medicine it is. So many people came up to me and were, were sharing stories about how they can't sleep or they're really stressed or yeah. all the ailments, you know, on and on of a lot of us, you know, especially people that run your own business or, you know, have high stressful jobs and can understand, you know. Um, and so it's just great, man. You can go across the world. You can it. The plant, you know, crosses all social economic boundaries. And, and it's just it's great that I feel like how I try to carry the flag for cannabis is just that, you know, my mom had this great sense about her where, you know, she was a heavy set woman, you know, smoked cigarettes. She was, she wasn't, you know, a little rough around the edges and, but she had this way that she connected with people. That was just, it was amazing. And I, and I take that with her and she would say whatever was on her heart and she would say it with conviction. And, and, uh, and so I feel like when you have a message of like what cannabis really does and how you not only does it help people, but how you genuinely want to help people, you know, with whatever it is that you do um, in, in, with a plant, but to convey that message and people fucking get it, it's like, wow, you know, cause it's scary. It's like, that was one of the first times I went up there and I was like, I had my vape with me and I was smoking it on stage. <laughs> and this was in the UK. 
And they were like, oh, oohs and ahs. And I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what I stand for. This is where we started this in a garage. Now, you know, I'm on this stage talking to you guys about it. And they were like, they loved how raw it was. And it's just, that's how I want the brand to connect with people. I don't want, I don't want, I want people, not only, you know, like intelligent people that are professionals and entrepreneurs to have something that they can like gravitate towards that speaks to who they are, you know, intelligence and um, creativity and power and, and style, you know, and all those things in one. And I think that's what makes a good brand is when it's authentic and comes from a good place. And the authenticity is that we're born from the compassion of, 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 of what this plant um, offers this world, you know, and, and, and I feel like as a breeder and a grower, I'm, I feel like I'm like a gatekeeper for that. And so I've been, I feel like I've, I've done, you know, my duty, like to kind of put in the work and to, uh, I always had a dream from the very beginning, like, God, what if I could just like get this around the world? Like, Oh, this, this, this gelato is so good. This sherbet's so good. It makes people happy. How can I get it like around the world? Like that would be dope. And so now mm-hmm. fast forward five years and I've got, you know, these, these seeds that are being grown yep. and, 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 you know, um, and there's no monetary value. Like it isn't about a money play for me. Like I get, I get beans bred for me and I get things given back to me, but it's not like, so that's why I feel like it's really, it's really dope. Cause I put it out there. I wasn't selfish, you know, like some other people that, you know, I've worked Tried with. Tried to hang on to their genetics. Yeah. And it's all about the money. Right. And I was like, no, you know what? And, and so what's happened full circle is ended up bringing me more business because then more people have it and more people understand it and they want to work. And then it brings it back to the brand, you know? Yep. Um, and it's so, smart, and so it's, it's been a good boomerang kind of energetically and just kind of the karma of it. Um, because I've been in the trenches and seen the nastiness, you know, on the street and the, you know, friends and family burning each other, stealing from each other, all the shit just to come up over these genetics. Cause you know, with the gelato, it was a fight in the streets. It really was. It was because people wanted to claim that they did this and they did that. And it was literally, you know, I had to fight for that shit, you know, to be able to I mean, walk who's on the trying street. to steal that from you, like in the time? Honestly, man, like we, I, I can't even get into names because it's that it's still, even now it's still, still fresh. It's still like an ongoing thing, but okay, that's, you know, a, that's another podcast. I'm impressed you on. <laughs> yeah. But, but pretty much anybody that feels that any time that they had claimed anything, like right, you were my right. roommate when I popped this right, seed at right, this right. spot. So, so I'm going to go and make my own brand and fuck you, that kind of shit. Like, right. And you got And then you got to go because if there's no ownership, it's kind of like, you working with somebody and someone going and come in and say, they're going to take your show or that this or that you're like, right. hold on, dude. Like this, I've been building this shit. This is me. And then right. people want to, people see the success and then they want to, they want to basically, and you understand this, you know, um, because if, oh, yeah. if you're, if you're considered top level in anything, there's yeah. always going to be people that are going to take your, your, your skis and they're always going to, cause you're inspiring them and it's, it's, it's flattering, but it's also, it's also like, we got to make a living. You yeah. know, and <laughs> we're not going out and like robbing, stealing, cheating. We're right. getting creative. We're and getting figuring cre- out ways to exactly. like brand ourselves. And then people want to come and like take that. And that's understandable because people lack, you know, the skills to be able to do that. It's not easy, but it's also not easy for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like people think it's just, it's like automatic or it was given. And it's like, they'd have no idea the monumental amount of self work and then actual real outside world work that has to be done to create anything. And yeah. that's, that's what I feel like people, you know, miss, but you, you nailed it on the head. Like anytime that you're at the top of your game, people are always coming for you. People are always going to try and take it, always going to try and steal, you know, clips, whatever they can of the entire project, but such yeah. is life, huh? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. And you know what? I think just, I, you, I, I always try to be driven by like helping people and, and the creative side of it, which I really enjoy, Yeah, you know, and also being choosy on who those people are now, you know, it's like learning to say no um, to things and just, and just honestly with COVID man, I've learned that God, I was really putting my energy out there like way more than I needed to, you know, and I don't regret any of it because now that things are slowed down and people aren't moving around. I'm really grateful 
for how much I did move around because I feel like I've been to New York, I've been to Miami, I've been you know to Europe and to Spain and you know to all the places that I I really would want to go and okay what's going on here what what are you guys doing and how's it working I've toured all the facilities and I've seen all the grows and I've I've like shook all the hands and so now like I have those relationships yeah and it's it's I'm I feel fortunate because there's people that are going to come after this or even people that are in business and that maybe they were getting ready to be at the you know peaking in their game and they're a little younger than us or something. And it's, it's I, I see that it's going to affect these people, you know, and, and, and how they're able to network, how they're able to, because the thing is the relationships you really keep are with the people that you have some sort of a real experience with. Right. Like, yep. it's not just like, Oh, I, I saw him on Instagram or I, I we email or whatever. It's like, no, like, Oh, I stayed with him for a week when I was in Paris and, you know, we went to dinners here and there, like you have a real relationship. Right. Now, if you're only on Zoom and phone calls, you still know like, oh, that's my buddy. Hearing you talk about all this stuff, hearing you talk about how you've gone out, seen the world, shook the hands and kissed the babies, met all the people, you know, everything that you were doing by putting so much energy out there. I cannot mimic this enough. I feel this. I feel like it was a, it's a blessing and a curse that this happened uh, this COVID happened because of the ability to slow down. And I couldn't agree more that all of a sudden, all these relationships that were curated over the years are now coming into full effect because people are looking for real partners. People are looking for real, um, you know, moves rather than just trying things out. Like, and, and yeah. it's really incredible to see how small the community actually is once you, you know, once you get up there. Yeah, man. A hundred percent people. And yeah, it, that's exactly it. You know, you, there is no more, you know, people don't have, you know, time or, or, or money to kind of, you know, waste it on, on things that they used to, right. you know, and no one's putting in millions of dollars into a, you know, into a project right now. Um, I want to talk to you about your travels and stuff as well, but I'm really, man, I got to hit the road. I'm getting the itch to do like something like, like you and your girl did. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I think it's just more like, it's not even so much to travel as much as it's, it's, I don't think I've gone this long without traveling, you know? <laughs> I, I, and, and I just, it's sort of hitting me now where it's like, fuck, like, you know, because normally it's sort of like, Hey, all right, I'm going to go to Hawaii for a week. I don't go that often, but every three, four months, I'm definitely going somewhere and like kind of unplugging or doing something. And it's just different. I'm, you know, listen, I've, I'm not complaining, but more than importantly, even, even like in the Bay, like people aren't kicking it like they used to, you know, it's just yeah. like, I go like, if like, I haven't seen my boy G in like three months, like, and, and it was like, yeah. Like he, I've been Damn, in LA, he's homie. been in the Bay. We've been, you know, it's just not, he hasn't been traveling to LA. Yeah. Um, you know, his mother is older and he's not really moving around and stuff. And, and so it's just things like that, that are, you know, not just him, like other family members. Um, just, I don't. And for me personally, I, I'm taking this shit serious and I'm not super crazy like about it, but I kind of am where I don't want my girls out. I don't want my, I don't want to be out exposing myself, you know, and there's still a lot that I think, you know, is unknown. And for me, I, I, like, I don't look at this like, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out there on some Joe Rogan shit. But I look at like viruses and things like that, that it's an attack on your spirit, your soul. Like, and that shit, people are going to just say, what do you mean? It's just, it's a, it's a virus. It's a, you know, it's just everyone happens it's like a flu. And it's like, mm, to me, like what comes up for me, like spiritually is like, there's something that's much like more profound about this and I don't even want to fucking test. I don't even want my name like even associated with ever being tested or being positive or any of this shit. Um, it, and so I firmly believe know. it's going to come back to bite anybody that was tested positive in the ass as well. And anybody in that system as well. Um, I don't think that's a, like, that's not a conspiracy. That's not a, you know, like a fringe theory. That's, we've seen time and time again how uh, our government's abused 
that power and that that ability to know um, you know what's going on and and you know to your point about the spirituality of a virus anything manifests first in the body it's it's first invisible there's for you know a a moment where the illness starts with inside you and that could happen on any number of levels depending on what you're going through like the toxicity that's in your body and then it can manifest in a virus it can manifest in acne it can manifest in all sorts of different ways that hurt the physical body but the seed of that starts way before that yeah stress levels you know everything like you're you know what you're ingesting um but yeah i just so Look, and if there's people out there that are listening to this that, that, that have had COVID and you're fine, and I'm not saying it's a kiss of death or that you just took, like, the sign of the beast or anything, um, but I just feel, you know, and who knows? There might be, you know, there's a real chance that, you know, I might get it. Who knows? I'm doing my best not to. Um, but I just feel like there's just, I just, I'm super sensitive to that kind of shit, man. And, and Let me ask you I, this. Do you feel that the response to what has, what COVID has been presented as, do you feel the response is warranted? And with the response from who, from the, the communities, from everybody, or? from the governments, from the, from the government officials, from the, you know, from Newsom, from Cuomo in New York, from, you know, all of the different state Senate local officials. Do you feel that the, response to it the severity of the response do you think that's good yeah do you think it's it's like do you think it was worth shutting down the entire world economy you know what like part of me says no right and then i've got my friend's dad in chicago that's in a coma with covid and pneumonia and you know i think like people have this idea that if if they can't see it or if they can't touch it or if it didn't happen to them it's not real and i yes i agree that these numbers are being you know puffed up here i definitely think that there's a lot of people dying from quote-unquote covid and they they're dying of natural causes and and they're but too many people like to just you know hear this story and they're actually afraid inside so they really fall into this narrative to them that they're telling themselves that they're completely safe and that it's all bullshit and that it's never going to get to them. And, you know, the reality is like, whatever, here's what I think high level. They're separating us. Like, this isn't about the illness. This is about, (laughs) this is about this, this connection that leaders like myself, like you and I, and people that are out there and making moves and have vision in, in the world. When you separate us, after time it becomes much more difficult to network in the way that we know and to like push forward. And that's a move, dude. That's a move. I mean, it's my firm belief that the separation is happening between wealth. Like it's, it's the biggest money grab since the 2008 crash. And then before that, since, you know, the crash before that, like the economic collapse, this is what's happening. I mean, if you see all the wealthiest people in the world, they've grown their wealth by, you know, 50% to 200%. Amy, it's, that guy. Yeah. I mean that it's, it's a, apparent what's happening now is that the money is shifting again, um, yeah. from the people to the wealthy and it's been happening, but you know, that's. So in, in full circle, kind of where I was going with it was I, I, I def- definitely, I think it's just, what I've learned, especially being in, in Los Angeles when this all hit and and seeing the fucking, you know, the the National Guard come out and like yeah. really take control. Because I don't know, for those of you that don't know, in L.A., you know, the, the, the protesting quickly turned into riots. And on my block, it basically erupted and all started. That's where they burnt down the cop cars. And, you know, luckily my store had all the police officers, all the cop cars were on the street while they were setting up like home base and it was on my block. And so they created a, a line on the end of my block and right in front of that. And that was this, that, that was like the, the block that Supreme was on and everything in the shoe store that yep. got crazy looted. Um, and uh, it, it's just, I just, it was. You guys boarded that, up for a little bit too, huh? Well, we got to board, we're still boarded up, but we got yeah. to board up because while the, the police officers were there setting up like camp, we called guys and said, Hey, get, get down. We called security. 
And but it was like night and living dead in there. My security was like shook. Like I'm not gonna say my security was shook. They did a great job, but <laughs> I'll tell you, it was boarded up, and they were inside, and it was like zombies trying to get in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, and my manager was like, I came and talked to him the next day. It was crazy. Where I'm going with it though is that when you see that kind of of level of of security, or like when the National Guard comes in and literally there were streets that you're used to going down right and they they took um like not uh the the big containers that for for like dumpsters and yeah. they put dumpsters and blocked the main roads and so you could only go certain ways and there was barely anybody on the streets i have a video of me going down sunset boulevard for like 10 minutes and i'm the only car that i see on the whole and it just and then you see humvees like flying by with cop cars and you see people on the street like black people being like arrested and that were looting and it's just it's fucking crazy yeah. where i'm going with it is like don't ever think that our liberties are quote unquote what we think are our liberties our right to bear arms everything that our constitution is built on like that's constantly at threat and is being threatened by the powers that be in these these special interest groups and uh, we just need to be Thank aware you. and and we have to be our we have to like we have we have to People that are woke and people that aren't just sheep in the following, you know, the, the president and every word he says, like, you have to be woke and be aware and, and just not be afraid and not submit to, you know, what we're seeing and the fear, fear. that's being the fear mongering, you know, it, don't submit to that. And just to be aware and to have conversations like this and uh, and just the people that are aware you know, we just, we need to, we need to reconnect in a different way, in a more profound way. Um, you know, like, like what we're eating, you know, one of the, the, like the big connection, like you and I have, Chris is like, you know, we connected through, through the food, you know, and through plants and, you know, and I think those are the kind of things that like people like you and I that have that knowledge, it's really important to, and, you know, we could have talked about how good of the, all these recipes and we could have talked about like, we like for this whole hour, but I think you and I are on the same page and frequency that if anything, we want the listeners to get out of this is, is that, you know, real shit, like, fuck, I'm a little depressed and, you know, maybe, you know, and also, but how does that relate to food that well and cannabis? Well, you know, I've been really like m more choosy about what I'm putting in my body, obviously. And, 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 you know, obviously a lot more people are cooking. And I just think that, that, there's a shift. And even for myself, you know, before COVID, I wasn't cooking five, six days a week. Now I am. Yeah. And so I think a lot more people are, you know, just at home. And, um, so, you know, I also to share with all those things, but just, you know, put some hope and some good energy, some power out there into the, into the universe and let people know that even despite what's going on around us, like we have the ability to control ourselves and, how we react to it and we need to stay positive and the warriors that we are, we need to tap in. We need to stay positive. We need to show love. And to the people that are in our lives that are around us, that we need to support those people, whether it's one or two friends that you're, you're close with right now and you can support a couple of people you're able to employ and to get them and bridge them to where they need to go or, you know, help build these relationships. Just, you know, those are the things that matter right now. Um, and, and just stay woke and eyes wide open. Um, you know, it's absolutely and, true. And it's wonderfully said. I, and I, I cannot stress the one point that you made, uh, that I want to stress again is that our constitution is in fact something that we have to uphold ourselves. It's not, it, it's constantly, uh, something that is trying to be chipped away at. And if we do not, uh, stand up to that, then we're at risk of losing that. And I mean, you, you, you nailed it on the head, man. There's so many beautiful things that can come out of this, you know, especially when you slow down, especially when you really stop and think about what you're grateful for and what you have around you. And, you know, it, it took me because same way as you, I was traveling, you know, probably out of every month I was gone out of my apartment two weeks out of every month. And I was on the road in some form and right now it's, it's honestly as much as it, uh, you know, crushes, crushes me because I couldn't go to New Zealand again. And I couldn't go to like all these places that I had booked and planned. I was 
a little bit relieved to be able to like slow down for a minute. And within slowing down, it's offered me a lot more time to reflect and then really dig in deep of what do I want? What do I want right now? What do I have? What do I want? And how am I going to get it? And that's been the biggest, uh, you know, transition out of here. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was what does, you know, post COVID for the industry look like? What does post COVID for Sherbinsky's look like? What does post COVID for Marco, uh, Mario look like? You know, post COVID is a, a rite of passage for the, for the cannabis industry, for my brothers and sisters that have worked for so many years, you know, go all going all the way back to Vietnam, um, the seventies, you know, late sixties, seventies, Humboldt County, the first people that came back and went and went up to Humboldt and made their farms and people that, you know, were incarcerated, lost their lives, you know, for this plant. Um, and now, you know, to get a phone call, um, and to be told that, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to hold my genetics. I didn't know if they were going to shut everything down. I didn't know if everything I've ever worked for was going to be gone because I couldn't work and they weren't, they wouldn't allow us to have these facilities. I didn't know. And to get a phone call and say, Hey, we're essential. Like we're, we're going to stay open. And, and, and to see my dispensary be the only store literally open on all of Fairfax when you have all this hype and you have all this shit of like all these other stores and what that street kind of meant. And then now to be like doing that, but doing it in a way where we're absolutely dedicated to the, to the health and wellness of, of the community of, you know, in, in Los Angeles and Fairfax district and the people we support through that and that were people and we had our delivery and we're able to come and, you know, people were, were coming to the shop and we're also making deliveries during that time. It was just a, a rite of passage, and it was a st- it was really just for me like wow everything that I've worked for and everything that I stood up for. And I remember being in high school, and people laughed at me because I smoked weed, or they you know girlfriends right. broke up with me because they thought I was a bum and that I smoked weed <laughs> and I was a loser. And just knowing in my heart that I I knew that like cannabis was good, and just um, you know that's what it means to me. That's I think that's what it means to a lot of people in the industry that now and then especially during covid like dude when when people are like bummed out and you know they're sad and they don't have access to other things and they're and and you're able to like provide still provide an experience for them where they can have like a joint to smoke or you know i just for example i just got a message last night from a buddy and he goes hey man i saw you a couple of weeks ago and you gave me like a little med container you packed full of your weed last night i had the longest day it was you know and i worked so hard and i came home and i found it and I smoked a joint and my shoulders dropped and my eyelids went down and everything that I was worried about just melted away. And I sat back in my couch and hung out with my lady and it was great. Thank you. Wow. And it's just like, dude, if, it's <laughs> kind of like when going back to like with the meals you prepare, right? The transfer of yep. energy that occurs when you, you put love into something and then yep. magic happens and you, you, you use the best ingredients and you put the love and the, all the skills together and then you create this experience and people are really stoked. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. To me, it's continuing to do that. To me, it's like if I was to die tomorrow and it was my last day, I, I, the legacy that I would leave where is, it's like these seeds that are around the world, these genetics that got made, the dispensaries, the brands, whatever, like it's going to carry on. It's not going to go away. And people are going to be growing in their backyards and they're going to be, you know, guys in Switzerland are going to be popping six seeds and growing fucking seven foot plants in their backyard. And and that started in my garage. That's right. And so, you know, hopefully my kids and um, the people, you know, like down the line, these younger generation will kind of carry on the spirit of like what Prop 215 was with guys like Dennis Perone and, and people that, you know, fought for. You know, and just go, I bring up Dennis a lot because, you know, Dennis was really like the, the, the godfather of, of, well, they say that, um, that, uh, God, what's it, um, maybe not the godfather, but Dennis was, you know, his gay man in the 70s, 80s advocate, you know, helps really like get proper The icon, to, the figure, uh, yeah. yeah. And just like guys like him that like shifted, like who are going to be the next people, who are going to be these young people that are inspired by people like you, me and guys like Dennis and just to yeah. 
kind of make a difference. Yeah, I'm, that's where I, I'm curious to see where this goes in the next five years, 10 years. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it truly is time for like, you know, who's the next generation? Who are the people like, you know, it was Ed Rosenthal, it was Jorge Cervantes. It was guys like Dennis Perone that were right. the OGs that I looked up to. Um, uh, God fucking what's the other one. Um, Steve, uh, Jack Herrera, just Jack Herrera, Steve D'Angelo. Exactly I Steve. never knew it till later, but definitely looked up to Steve. Like yeah. he's the godfather of, of the medical marijuana, but Dennis Perone, you know, just all those guys that of course, yeah. They, I mean, they all played their role, which was incredible. And you can't have a movement just with one person. It's all these people there, there might be a figurehead, there might be a voice, but it's all the people that help, you know, really push a movement to fruition. And that's what we're seeing unfold. I mean, we went from 10 years ago being, you know, illegal thrown in jail to now an essential business. Yeah. An essential motherfucking business. Like that's what's happening right now. It's huge. But going back into where I think brands and cannabis that are going to still stick around are the ones that understand, okay, the cool factor, that's one thing. But that shit's over, man. There's a lot of people going through heavy-ass shit right now, losing their jobs. And I just think, like, it's just kind of disgusting if you're if you're seeing people struggle so much. And, and look, if yes. you make your own money and you have the right to do whatever you want, I'm not knocking you go spend $1,000 on shoes. God bless. But for me personally, and the fact that eyes are on me and that I'm in the cannabis space and that this is a business of, like, health and wellness and giving back, and I just don't think it's appropriate anymore. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think it's a shift of, okay, how are you giving to the community? What are you doing to help, you know, you know, whether it's employ people of color, um, you know, just create more sustainable packaging, which I'm proud that we're, we're going to be releasing a biodegradable jar. Yes. Um, super stoked Thank on you. And, you know, shout out to Stella McCartney for giving me like inspiration for that. And, you know, I heard her speak a couple of years ago at the business of fashion and she said, you know, I came into the industry and everybody said, oh, that, you know, biodegradable isn't as nice and you have less options and it's three times as much. And she still went and, you know, that was a, a goal of hers and, and she was able to accomplish it and started using like plant based, um, you know, uh, textiles and things for her clothing. And so it inspired me. And, you know, those are, these are the kind of things that I'm doing to try to make, you know, um, long, uh, you know, a long-term di difference in, in what we're doing. I mean, which is necessary. That's how the industry evolves and that's what it needs. And we're, I mean, we're literally hemp is so useful in so many different ways and it's very sustainable. So the fact that the industry is like, hasn't caught on to that is I think a testament to exactly what you said earlier, which is that the brands that are going to survive, it's, it's not going to be the shock factor of it's just cannabis. Like there has to be real authenticity and real substance behind the brands that are going to make it past this. And that is the only way I see any brands making it past it in the same way that if we didn't have spectacular food and hospitality and beverages, we would not last because Ultimately, the wow factor is going to wear off, but the food you keep coming back for, the soul of the product that you grow, you keep coming back for. The cannabis, the the whole experience, customer experience is what people keep coming back for. It's not just the cannabis. Cannabis is one part of an overall healthy lifestyle. The rest is in the heart and in the soul. The physical side. Yeah. Staying active. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, uh, one thing that I want to always leave the listeners with is, is for you to tell me, you know, one thing that you basically do every day, like what, what's a type of plant medicine or a type of ritual that you do every day that is promoting your health? Like it can be, you know, that you drink ginger and lemon tea in the morning or that you, you know, microdose LSD or psilocybin or whatever it is, but what's one thing that you do regularly that enhances your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being? Um, you know, some of my basic routines, you know, I wake up really early. Um, most of the time, I mean, anywhere between like 
five and six, I'll be up. And typically I'll be sort of thinking, meditating, kind of looking at news, educating myself of what's going on. Maybe spend an hour doing that. And I come out on my deck and I have a, I have a great view. And I sort of sit there, you know, early in the morning and, you know, I'll smoke maybe half a joint um, and I'll, I'll drink a cup of coffee. By, by that time, I'm already knocking out like emails and, and making phone calls to like my immediate people that work close to me and, you know, checking in on what's going on around the farms. But, um, you know, that I think with a little cannabis in the morning, it, it really kind of wakes my creativity up, sets my mood for the day. It's not a lot. It's literally like sometimes four or five puffs on a joint, but yep. it, it really does not offer me. Um, and then, you know, part of my exercise routine, um, you know, for my exercise, I, I have a, a trainer out of New York. His name's, um, um, Mike Mahoney and, uh, and he, he basically does, I pay, I pay him $500 for eight weeks. And what he does is he sends me videos. It's, um, it's, uh, um, five different movements, you know, whether it's like lunges, this and that, but it's, they're very challenging. And so I have that routine and that works for me. And I do that three days, three, three days a week. And then I'll do cardio like another two days. I love it. But you know, sometimes throughout the day, sometimes I try to get it out in the morning, but it takes me about an hour and, it's all body weight and I'll use like minimal bands. So I don't need, I don't need the gym. <clears throat> and to be honest with you, it, it's gotten me in the best shape. Like, and I don't have to travel to the gym. A lot of the things I thought I needed to do before right. I was wasting time, wasting energy, wasting money, putting myself at risk. And, uh, and then my food, you know, I stay away from, I, I, I eat organic as much as I can. Right. I stay away from processed foods. I don't drink uh, sugary drinks at all, whether it be juice um, or whether it be, Soda. um, you know, sometimes if it's fruit, like watermelon or we'll do a cantaloupe drink or something like yeah. that, like I will do fun stuff like that, but I stay away from sugars, processed stuff. I just do my best, you know, high sodium, um, foods. I eat a lot of vegetables and salads and I do eat a lot of protein, but, um, chicken, fish, lean, lean meats. I nice. really enjoy, but I, I just think that that's, that's helped me a lot. A lot of people that knew me in the years past, if you look at my pictures and things from like two, three years ago. I was like 30 pounds heavier, um, you know, not as, you know, had much more fat, not, not the muscle I have. And I just was, I was really like depressed. I was in a bad place. Yeah. Um, a lot of it came from just like running myself to death, trying to, you know, do 10 things while you're, you're building a company. Luckily I, I, I built it enough now where three or four of the jobs that I had to do now I actually have employees that help me with that. So, right. you know, but the thing is, people don't realize, like, we're like batteries, you know, we only have so much energy. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we just sit and chip away and chip away, eventually your battery is going to die. And, you know, through the exercise and meditation and food and walks outside in nature, um, breathing in fresh air and just all that type of stuff. I think, you know, that's how you recharge the batteries and make sure that you stay healthy. I agree you know? completely, man. And, I and also another thing, a biggest one is eliminating toxic people from your life. I think Oof. that's probably number one more than any of those things is identifying the people that are in your life that are not like serving you, you, you in your life, you know, and just, they're, they're no longer adding anything positive. It's like, you really got to identify like negative people in your life. And, um, cause that, that to me, that's the shit that causes cancer. You yeah. know, the, the things like people, you know, just, you know, sucking off you or doing whatever, bringing negativity in your life. And, and now with COVID, you kind of realize like, oh, wow, I didn't really need to be around that. Or a lot of these relationships are kind of being exposed for what they really are. Yeah. Um, you know, and use that information wisely. And, the, and uh, you know, that's basically where I'm at now. It's one of the hardest things to do is, is to cut those people out, too, because there's oftentimes like all those feelings of guilt and feelings of all sorts of different things. So it's, it's absolutely worthwhile to, you know, take that step, though. There's a lot of manipulation in this world, man, you know, and I think it's hard sometimes to identify because we don't want to see that people that are in our lives for different reasons are like, oh, wow, you mean and, and your friends might even tell you, hey, watch out for so and so, you know, they why are they around? You're like, Oh, so-and-so's cool. And then you find out later, like, wow, you know, everybody, a lot of people have an agenda. Yeah. Um, you know, but more importantly, family, friends, like make sure you keep the circle tight, look after each other, you I know, love it, man. Absolutely. Um, 
hey, outdoor season's coming up. We're getting ready for harvest. There's going to be a lot of new flavors and a lot of really fire organic flowers. So yeah. So before um, we before we end this, tell me, um, you know, like what's going on right now that we should be on the lookout for. At the dispensary, we're going to start dropping new flavors. Um, a lot of them are unnamed, and and these indoor um, flower that are coming down now, like different jellos that were we crossed, different things. I'm we're going to get in, and I, actually, something more exciting is there's a lot of breeders that I'm working with now that have my genetics that I've given them, and they're they're going and breeding and selling seeds and. But what I'm going to be able to do is I'm going to be able to see it grown and I'm going to be able to select with them what Cenos or fire and I'll have access to all these like first. And then we're going to be selling there. They'll be selling the seeds, but then we'll be able to use these genetics in our indoor grows in California and other states. And so there's going to be a, a really a lot more new flavors coming in with like the original gelatos, but worked in with in my opinion, like some of the, the best breeders that are really getting their hands, you know, in the dirt right now in California. Um, it's really hand selected people. So, and it just growing way more flower. Like right now we've got contracts and grows with a bunch of great groups and we're going to be, you know, committed to growing, you know, thousands of pounds in California. So I'm just excited it. about that, being able to be on more shelves statewide, being able to provide for delivery. And then, um, coming, we're coming out with new packaging, coming out with a lot of new things, more clothing. We're dropping our silk, uh, pajama line, our silk, um, clothing in the next week or two. So that's going to be fun. Hey, I'm so happy to have you on. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your wisdom. It's really been amazing. And I'm so happy. Uh, I can't wait to get this out and, and guys, please check out, uh, Mario and, uh, Sherbinsky's and we'll, uh, we'll link everything below here. Thanks for having me on, though, brother. All right, peace, bud. Take care, Chris. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. It's Chris. That wraps up another episode of Of Earth. On behalf of The Herbal Chef and myself, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on IG, Twitter, Facebook, all the socials, at the underscore herbal underscore chef. And check out the Of Earth story highlights for more info on who we've had on. Please like, subscribe, and rate this so we can continue making this content for you. And by we, I have to mention our producer of the show, Tanache Works. Thank you and signing off.